Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Hey there, this is Dr. Corey Gilbert with the Family Features Podcast, and today we're going to go into the second episode looking at the coddling of the American mind. Um, again, the subtitle is pretty frightening, How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. This is really important, a 2018 book. Uh, I'm going to feature some different ones this year, here in 2021. Um, but how did we get here? In this last episode, we talked about the three bad ideas um, that kind of have influenced culture, schools, definitely universities, um, and even our homes potentially. But how do we get here? We talked through about six or seven ideas that have led to this. Number one, the polarization cycle. So the U.S. has experienced a steady increase in at least one form of polarization since the 1980s, affective or emotional polarization, which means that people who identify with either of the two main political parties increasingly hate and fear the other party and people in it. Affective, the emotional polarization in the U.S., is roughly symmetrical, but as as university students and faculty have shifted leftward, during a time of rising cross-cultural hatred, universities have begun to receive tr- less trust and more hostility from some conservative and right-leaning organizations. Outrage from the off-campus right has actually seriously impacted culture and just made the divide larger and larger. And this is affecting our culture, our kids, our future, um, their future, their ability to launch. Second one... So the first one was polarization cycle. The second one is the anxiety and depression. These are not new. These have always been around. But think about the impact here. Um, the national rise in adolescent and de- um, depression that began around 2011 is our second um, of these of areas of how we got here. So if you were born between 1995 and 20, 2012, you're either an, you're an iGen or some called Gen Z. And those individuals are growing up more slowly. They growing up more slowly. Interesting. So the iGen have a high, a far higher rate of anxiety and depression, and this is worse for girls and young women. This should be very concerning to us. And so, what has led to this huge shift since 2011? The primary cause of the increase in mental health and mental illnesses is the frequent use of smartphones and other electronic devices. This is what's changed everything in our culture. Um, Less than two hours a day seems to have no deleterious effect, no ill effect. More than two hours a day, and we have a problem. Um, It leads to worse mental health outcomes um, than those that spend it less, but also more face-to-face time. That's where we're actually missing. Students, young people, teenagers will choose to stay in the room on their phones versus going five doors down to a friend's house. Um, you'll see, you see less kids out on the street. You see less playing sports, um, just casual sports, not, not formal stuff, um, and being outside on their bicycles and stuff like that. Girls, though, may be suffering more than boys because they are more adversely affected by the social comparisons. And we've seen that um, with some of the new settings in the iPhone to um, uh, just be more aware of your time on it, giving parents and young people this awareness helps 
it's the goal is to help lessen the fact that more young women are being affected by this. And then iGen's arrival at college coincides exactly with the arrival and intensification of the culture of safetyism, as we talked about before, from 2013 to 2017. So this is a big one. Third one, though, paranoid parenting. Um, when we overprotect children, we harm them. Uh, last year, I wrote a book called I Can't Say That. There's mine. And the beginning of this Actually, 2019, I wrote this. It's 221 now. Um, the beginning of this, I talk about how we cannot overprotect. We can't. We need to prepare. And, th and this focuses more on the idea of sexuality and gender. This is way bigger than this um, in terms of other areas that we need to focus on. But paranoid parenting, children are naturally anti-fragile, as I talked about in the, the episode before. So overprotection makes them weaker and less resilient later on. This is not the intent of most parents, but this is what's happening. This is what we're seeing in the data. We know this is happening. I see this on the college campus all the time. Children in the U.S. and other prosperous countries are safer today than at any other point in history. So then why? Why does this continue? Uh, well, there's still this fear of abduction. It's still very high among American parents, many of whom have come to believe that children should never be without adult supervision. When we first moved um, here to Oregon, our kids got in trouble and a neighbor wanted to call uh, Child Protective Services because they were outside playing alone by themselves. It was crazy. We could not believe it. Um, but it was true. When children are repeatedly led to believe that the world is dangerous and that they cannot face it alone, we should not be surprised if many of them believe it. Did you play on the streets alone, come home by dark, when you would come, come home when the street light comes on, that kind of stuff? You know, that's a different culture, um, and there's a lot of data showing we need to rethink this. We live in the safest time and place ever. When it comes to abductions, yes, it does happen, and it's terrifying, but you are, was it 91% more likely to get assaulted and harmed by a family member or a friend than abducted? And we need to really think about what's the danger. Is it out there or in here? And we need to rethink that. Um, a lot to, to talk about there. Helicopter parenting combined with laws and social norms that make it hard to give kids unsupervised time may be a negative impact on mental health and resilience for young people today. Our system, so laws that are going into effect and rules that are making it harder, kids need to play. And we'll look at that in a second. Um, paranoid parenting prepares today's children to embrace the three great untruths, which we talked about before, which means that uh, when they go to college, they are psychologically primed to join a culture of safetyism. They will just fit right in. And that's not the intent of most of the parents I know, but yet that's what's actually happening as they enter that world. Number four is the decline of play. The decline of unsupervised free play is our fourth here. Children, like other mammals, need free play in order to finish the intricate wiring process of neural development. This is how we're made. And we need to think through what the impact of lack of free play, um, and I don't mean lack of free play on Xbox, I mean outside or imagination. Children that are deprived of free play are likely to be less competent physically and socially as adults when they, when they arrive in adulthood. They're less likely to be tolerant of risk and more prone to anxiety disorders. 
the fact is, is what we're creating that's coming is people that are not going to be have that entrepreneurial spirit, not going to take risks. Um, we are creating a culture that we need to be afraid of. Free play is activity that is freely chosen and directed by the participants and undertaken for its own sake, not consciously pursued to achieve ends that is distinct from the activity itself. Um, part of our even just educational system needs to be rethought when it comes to some of that, especially for the younger, younger years. Number five is the bureaucracy of safetyism. There's been a growth of campus bureaucracy and the expansion of its protective mission. Um, more and more staff added to the administration and a lot less faculty in these places. A lot more layers and layers. Efforts to protect students by creating bureaucratic means of resolving problems and conflicts can have the unintended consequence of fostering moral dependence, which may reduce students' ability to resolve conflicts independently both during and after college. If we're not creating students that can handle conflict, what are we expecting them to do when they leave? When I listen to my kids have a conflict in the other room, part of what my job and goal is is to not intervene, is, unless there's a risk of harm, but is to let them duke it out, if you will, talk it out, and then maybe process it later, especially if I'm able to hear it. Uh, very important to use that. Now, the, number, the sixth one is an interesting one, the idea of the quest for justice. Now, this one can get messy because it's the whole social, social justice movement, which has incredible um, pieces to it, but is, I think, a thing to think about as a whole. Um, two intuitive uh, notions of justice is the distributive justice, the idea of the perception that people are getting what is deserved, and procedural justice, the perception that the process of by which things are distributed and rules are enforced is fair and trustworthy. So what do we do with this? Because we have these different influences that influence how our kids grow up. And we have these different things and systems that are in place in the academics and homes, our churches, that I think, again, back to the title, how good intentions, but also bad ideas, are setting up a generation for failure. How do we undo this? How do we make this better? Why? Because we live in the best time and the best place we could ever live. Um, you are safer than ever, yet we don't live that way. We live more afraid and more full of fear, more, more um, I would say, trapped. It's not freedom. So how do we undo this? I would say there's lots of la layers to it. But a lot of it is what you, as mom and dads, what we teach and plant in our kids in terms of how they see the world and what they will tolerate and what they will, um, how they will interact with ideas when they are judging others, how they can step back and pause and um, see things from different perspectives and it not just be their way or the highway. We need to create this resilience, but this idea of this anti-fragility that actually has stress and has um, competition in a way that grows them. Um, so in this next episode coming up, we're going to talk about, so what do we do? How do we help kids, young people, leaders, teachers um, do this well and change the culture and tide here? Because there are some great resources, again, here in this book, The Coddling of the American Mind, um, which, again, I highly recommend. Um, so I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. 
Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.